conceive a child. Unfortunately, these group of women get little or no attention in light of the loud cries for abortion rights these days. However, according to the infertility CDC in the United States, the CDC looked at married women aged 15 to 49 years with no prior births who are unable to get pregnant after one year of trying. In the United States, one in five, and worldwide, one in six experience infertility. This was reported by the CDC April 4th of this year. Now let us look at an example of infertility in the scriptures. In Genesis 21.5, we find that Sarah was unable to conceive for 25 years. She longed to have a baby. In Bible times, being unable to conceive was looked at as a curse from God. Children were necessary for the perpetration, perpetuation of the Bible of the tribe and its religion. If you were not rich enough to have servants, children were the workforce for survival. For example, crops were needed to be planted and harvested. The livestock needed to be watered and fed. Some needed to dig a well for water and someone had to get a pail to get the water out on an as needed basis. Someone had to sew clothes, clean food, cook food, clean the house, and anything else in, is needed in the family to survive. I digress. Let's get back to Sarah. Sarah's husband was wealthy, so they had a lot of servants and slaves to help with the chores, but she longed to have a baby. So after 10 years of waiting on God to give her a baby, Sarah came up with the bright idea of letting her husband have sex with one of her slaves named Hagar. Newsflash, Abram consented to, consented to this idea and had sex with Hagar as she became pregnant. Unfortunately, looking in hindsight, that was not a good idea. Sarah decided that it was a terrible idea and blamed Abram for not ta talking her out of it. So when Sarah realized Hagar was pregnant, she began taking her frustration out on her. She mistreated Hagar so badly that Hagar ran away to the wilderness pregnant. I looked up the word wilderness to get a picture of Hagar choosing the wilderness over Sarah. The Webster Dictionary defines wilderness as uninhibited, Unhabited, inhospitable, neglected area, and in this case, no water. Mm -hmm. However, the Lord showed up to Hagar and gave her water and a promise he would be with her and her son she would eventually have. Then God told Hagar to return to Sarah. But Sarah still didn't have a baby. But after 15 or more so years, Sarah had a baby at 90 years old and after a total of 25 years of waiting, Sarah had a baby boy named Isaac. He was the promised child and a delight, honor, and the biggest blessing to his parents, privilege. For the full account of this miracle, see Genesis chapter 16 to chapter 21. Another example of a mom in the scriptures is, is Bathsheba. 
in 2 Samuel 11, 1 to 5, we have the King David walking along his rooftop balcony, and he sees a beautiful woman bathing named Bathsheba. Because he is king, he sends his servants to go and get her, and he has sex with her. Now, Bathsheba was a married woman. Her husband is at war, so when she became pregnant, it was clear that King David was the father. Unfortunately, King David has Bathsheba's husband killed in a battle to cover up his infidelity. Then King David marries her, but the baby gets very sick and dies. God blessed Bathsheba to have another baby named Solomon. The Lord allowed this baby to grow up and become the king. What a turnaround. What a privilege to this mom to see how God turned around her circumstances. Note, for further details, see 2 Samuel 12, 14 to 1 Kings 1, 39. Now, looking at today's time, it is still a blessing from God to have a baby regardless of the circumstances. For examples, moms are, who are happily married and have a baby, mom who have chosen to have their baby even out of rape or incest, some women are single parents because their husband died or they are divorced. There are mommies that the father did not choose to marry them after they became pregnant. Or the father was married to another woman when she became pregnant and the father does not acknowledge the baby. The single man that do not want the responsibility of children after being told he is a father. Grandmothers, aunties, godmothers, foster mothers, adoptive mothers that choose to care and nurture for their families or strangers' babies. Then there are moms who are incapable of taking care of their children due to substance abuse, incarceration, mentally incapacitated, being homeless, financially unable and unstable, child abuse, neglect, or just do not want to take care of their babies. Unfortunately, for whatever the reason, our foster care system is full of our babies. Each family has an individual reason for being in this circumstance. Please know that this hurts the heart of God when our children are abandoned or neglected for whatever reason. Moms, we need God's help, provision, mercy, grace, strength, and guidance to raise our children. He cares about each mom, regardless of the situation. God wants to heal our hurts and set us free from the bondage of sins. Conceiving and giving birth is a part of God's plan. Today, let's remember that a mother is an experience that is the most demanding, fulfilling, and joyful role life has to offer. But still on, mon on many days, mother can seem like a sacrifice without any recompense. Motherhood is honor that will perpetuate itself to future generations. I end with the quote, no other success in life, not being president or being wealthy or going to college or writing a book or anything else comes to the su success of the mom who feel that they have done their duty and that their children will call them blessed. Theodore Roosevelt in 1917 and Proverbs 20, 31, 28. Happy Mother's Day.
My clock don't start till I'm ready, right? Amen, amen. Good morning, New Direction Bible Ship Bible family. Listen, it is Mother's Day, and uh, let me just adjust this because, you know, I'm a little nervous, but you can't tell because I, you know. But I, I was actually supposed to be in the Poconos this weekend, but how many of you know that Sister Sabrina, she is an influencer? <laughs> amen. Sister Sabrina is an influencer. But good morning. I'm so grateful for this opportunity to share with each of you today. Um, thank you, Pastor and First Lady Benson. I appreciate you. Pastor Heyman and Sister um, Heyman, thank you. To my elders and my deacon and my deaconess. Um, to my baby boy. Looks like, there he go. Okay, he all the way in the back. I thought he left. I was about to get him. <laughs> to my baby boy, um, I love you. And my daughter, Jayshana, she's watching from home in Atlanta. And to my mentor, Monica Washington Bailey, I love you. Monica Bailey Washington, I love you. So I have 10 minutes, now it's about nine, to share my perspective and experience on the pressures of motherhood this morning, okay? I don't know what I'm going to do with 10 minutes, but I'm going to make it happen, okay? All right, so when I initially got the call to do this. Um, I didn't initially accept, let me just say that, Pastor. But then I prayed about it and I talked about it with Sabrina and I accepted. But when I initially started researching and reviewing and reading, I was looking for women in the Bible about the pressures of motherhood that I could relate to. And while there are so many amazing women and mother in the Bi mothers in the Bible that have gone through trials and tribulations and pressure, I just could not relate to those women. And the reason was is because I didn't experience, like some of the women in the Bible, barrenness, or I didn't have my children at a more mature age. In fact, I had my, my children when I was um, young. My story is significantly different, and my experiences are significantly different. And so as I prayed and as I prayed and as I talked to some of my mentors, I kept hearing God say, I want you to share your story. I want you to share your experiences, the pressures that you face, what you have to share with the people. And so, as you know, as you can see, I'm pretty young. <laughs> I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> you see, I was young and immature um, when I had my first child. In fact, I was a 16-year-old teenager when I found out in eight months I was going to be a mother. You talk about confused, uncertain, and pressure, as my mom and I walked home from that clinic, now mind you, my mom was walking about 50 feet in front of me. My first thought was, what in the world is this woman gonna do to me when we get home? <laughs> but all jokes aside, all of these things were going through my head, so many questions. What am I gonna do? How am I gonna do this? How did this happen? Who can I trust? Who's gonna help me? What if my family and my friends are gonna think about this? I know absolutely nothing about being a mother at the age of 16. Absolutely nothing. And so the pressure began, and my mom was certain to say, she made sure I knew, there is no abortions happening in this house today. And I tried to, you know, swivel my head. It was like, ain't nobody say nothing about no abortion. Well, she came out of her room, and I went running down the steps. I digress. But, you know, at that time when I was pregnant at 16, I wasn't in the church nor was my faith strong in God, but I had the foundation. And how many of you know that if you have the foundation, that God will see you through no matter what, right? And so if I had to sum up how I dealt with the pressures of God and how I still, the pressures of motherhood, and how I still deal with the pressures of motherhood, I have one phrase. 
because he never gave up on me. He never gave up on me. And I anchored myself in the scripture of Jeremiah 11, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Because see, finding out at the age of 16 that I was going to be a mother, I had lost all hope. That scripture resonated with me because I had felt like I had been exiled, exiled from what I considered my normal life. But God. Where's Sister Jackie at? But God. Right? What he reminded me was that he had not forgotten about me. That he was going to walk this thing out with me called motherhood at, teen, at the age of 16. Not even in the slightest that I should I have been worrying, but I did. Becoming a mother was terrifying. It was uncertain, but nonetheless, it was a fact that was happening in my life at the age of 16. And I had to bulk up, teenage up, because I couldn't woman up, and deal with it. Dealt with the pressure of becoming a mother. Then I dealt with the pressure of being a mother. How many know about the pressure of becoming a mother? Becoming a mother, when you think about those things, there's it all goes into strength, sacrifice, pressure, God's love. But the most important thing I found that helped me help see me through was the faith I had in God. It was the foundation that my aunties, my grandmother, my godmother, and my mother had laid for me. The faith I had in God. When we think about the pressures of becoming a mother, preparing to be a mother, no matter what stage you are, whether you are a teenager, whether you are a mature adult, whether you are married, whether you are single, it can be overwhelming. It can be uncertain. We spend so much time trying to ensure that the life we are carrying inside of us, that it's healthy, that it's whole. We're trying to figure out the right doctors and the right medications and vitamins and, you know, are we eating right? Are we, you know, carrying the baby right? Are we going to make it to full term? I want to just let y'all know. Side note, my child, my first one, he waited three extra weeks and almost 10 pounds later. Three extra weeks and almost 10 pounds later. I digress. I digress. I digress. But once he got here, there was an overwhelming feeling of, love and emotions that I had for my son. Immediately went into protection mode, wanting to make sure that he had everything that he need, everything that I didn't have. And then again, at the age of 19, I birthed my daughter, Jayshana. And it was like, okay, you did this again? I did, but God never left me. Because he said, I know the plans I have for you. It's plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Yeah. So again, I anchored myself. And don't forget, did I mention I was a single mother? Both times. As I said before, becoming a mother takes strength and it takes sacrifice. When we think about going into motherhood, we're thinking about the delivery, the preparation. Are we going to bring them home into the right environment? Are we going to have everything that we need? All that uncertainty brings pressure upon us as parents. Because you see, there's something about carrying a life, a life that God has entrusted you to carry for nine, me almost 10, months that will change your very existence. 
for me, it made me realize that I could not be a good mother. I could not be the mother that I wanted to be to my two beautiful children in my own strength. So what did I do? I went and I gave my life to Christ. Now, I had been baptized when I was young. You know, my, you know, my mom and my grandmother and my godmother, they all, my aunties on my dad's side, they were devout church-going, Christian singing. I was in a choir. Sister Lucinda, you almost took me out. That was my song, The Goodness of God. So I had the foundation. Don't forget, I had the foundation. But what I want to share with you is as mothers, we sacrifice to ensure that our kids are provided with a safe environment. We give our children enough love. We keep them safe from the trials and the tribulations of this world. That we ensure that they have a good education, that they're joyful, that they're happy, that they're healthy. That we raise them to be respectful. We feed them, comfort them, clothe them. I'll be honest for you, for me, with you, for me, it was a struggle. There were times I wanted to give up, but God. There were times I think I, I thought I didn't deserve to be their mother, but God. There were times I couldn't, I didn't feel like I was giving my children what they needed nor what they deserved, but God. Because he said, I know the plans I have for you. And as I continue to go and as I continue to pray, I recognize that through pressure, God always, he's always there. And though the pressure, and through the pressure, I became stronger, a better mother, and was able to endure because God never gave up on me. So how could I? How could I give up on my babies if God was never giving up on me? Listen, I don't know if anyone's going through anything today as a mother, but I stand here as a testimony that God will see you through. Don't give up. Surrender it all to God, and he will see you through. Being a mother, again, takes strength, sacrifice, God's love, but most importantly, it takes what? Faith in God. Being a mother is the greatest joy of my life. I would not trade this experience for nothing in the world because when I look at my children today, I know that we are blessed. I didn't just give life through birth. I receive life through the gift of being a mother. And as I close out, I want to remind each of you to be kind to yourselves as mothers. Could there be something when I look back that I could have done different? Maybe so. But guess what? My children are healthy, they're whole, they're respectful, and they're great abiding, law-abiding citizens. As mothers, we will face trials and tribulations. We will have pressure, but remember Philippians 4.13, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Don't allow pressure, the pressures of motherhood or this world to keep you in dismay. Use the tools we're given as Christ, as children of Christ. If we stand on the love of God and his word, which tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11, I'll leave you again with this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then we must have faith that the pressure doesn't last always. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Praise the Lord. Praise God for his new mercies this morning because his compassions never, ever, 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 ever fail. They're new every morning. Hallelujah. Great 
Oh, great is his faithfulness. Join me in a word of prayer this morning. Father, help me lift Jesus this morning. Amen. I stand in honor today of my mother. Hallelujah. Makes me think of the goodness of God. Stand in your honor today. Stand in honor of my Joanne Arthur. I stand in honor of my mother-in-law, Deaconess Della Lyons. I stand in honor of my sister and friend, Sister Letha Allen. My assignment and sharing theme this morning is from the thought of pain of motherhood. I'm crying already, right? <laughs> Sisters, I want to give a disclaimer that when that kid leaves and goes out and doesn't call you and you wonder and worry where they are, Oh, and when your baby starts hanging out with other people's babies that you don't want them to hang out with, right? Or you don't want them around, amen? Or they come with an eye or a word or words of disrespect. I want you to know that you are not alone. The pain of motherhood is nothing new. It started in the beginning. Genesis 3.16a reads the account of our dear mother Eve and her chat with God. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow, thou shalt bring forth children. So the Lord God already told us in his word that because of disobedience, as it is written, unto the woman, he said, to the woman, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe, and painful labor will you give birth. Everyone in this room has been birthed. So everyone's mother deserves a shout out. Amen. Amen. John 16, 21 says, A woman, when she is in travail, have sorrow because her hour is come. But soon as she is delivered of that child, she remembereth no more the anguish for joy that a man or a child is born unto this world. Amen. I'm trying to get there. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we actually... Can get, we can't get out of the book of Genesis without, again, the first woman, Eve, and her continual, perpetual, painful experiences in motherhood. Anybody remember Eve's son, Eve, Adam and Eve's children, those boys, Cain and Abel? Anybody remember them? Well, in Genesis 4, it goes on to tell us Adam, he knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived, and she acquired a man-child from the Lord, which was Cain, and she bore again his brother Abel, and in the process of time came to pass that Cain bought an offering of fruit of the ground, and Abel bought um, the firstborn of his flock and their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but did not respect Cain's offering. Cain was very angry. His countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should have rule over it. Hallelujah. Now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? Where is your brother Abel? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? My imagination leads me to believe Cain may have told Eve the same thing he told God. I don't know where he is. And he said, what have you done? 
the voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When you till the ground, it won't yield unto thee strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be in all the earth. And this is Eve's son, Cain, God is saying. Proverbs 17, 25 says, A foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her that bear him. Eve lost her one son. Not only did she lose her one son, but he was killed at the hands of her other son. And this wicked sin of murder still follows us today. And her other son's plight came was to be a fugitive and a vagabond. Pain is nothing new for mothers. Right now, some of my sisters are losing their children, and their children's blood cries out from the ground. We, we see mothers mourn, ache, cry, suffer in anguish on the news every single day. In the mornings, as my son prepares to leave for school, sometimes I just look at him. I just look, and he says, Mom, why are you looking at me? Mom, what's going on? And it's because I'm not certain that my son, because of what he's wearing, or because his confident walk, or because of who he is in Christ, that his life might not be cut down, that he might not make it home off the bus. Amen. I thought of my daughter who was 26, 9, 6.7 miles away in Southern California, deciding to leave the nest early, Lord have mercy, Jesus, to attend cosmetology school because we know we have shootings in schools and killings on campuses on the east and west coast. Just ask my chiropractor as a witness. That nerve pain that I had all the way from my hand all the way up to my arm as she was boarding the plane. We're talking about the pain and the pains of motherhood. Sisters, let me share with you the remedy that God gave me. And I found it in God's word. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, When I can't sleep, when I'm filled with anxiety, headache, heartache, worry, fear, plenty of disappointment, when I don't know what's next or when I don't have the answer, God showed me the S on my chest was not for solution, it's not for super mom, but it's, be, but it's to be found in surrender. What I needed to do in these times of pain, brokenness, hurt, and often despair, he told me, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, God, I thank you that your request be made known unto God. And when I do this, he says, he will give me something that I can't buy at Macy's, that I can't buy at Rite Aid, Dollar General, Dollar Tree, Target, Shop right, or even the royal farms around the corner. And that is the peace of God that passes all understanding. Shall keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. God, you are a keeper. I praise God that we serve a God that sees us. And he's with us through every up and down. He's our El Rohe, the God who sees me. He's the God of restoration. And the God of a turnaround. Hallelujah. My daughter's home. Hallelujah. Amen. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says he can do it. Oh, let's watch him. Turn it. Turn it, God. Turn it. He's our Emmanuel. He is our God with us. Hallelujah. And I know this because in God's word in Genesis 4, 25, it says, 
Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God said, he hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, who Cain slew. And not only that, because in verse 26 it says, and Seth, to him also there was born a son. Hallelujah, if you know the word of God. And he called his name Enos, hallelujah. Oh, and when Enos was born, I see the restoration coming. It's turning around. The scripture says, began men to call on the name of the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. He will do a thing through our pain, through our brokenness. He has the prescription. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We know, as the word tells us in Exodus 15, 22 and 26, that the Lord can make bitter water sweet. Hallelujah. And we trust. This is our God that we trust in. The God we say we trust in. He can do it. He will do it. We know our children are just like us in the sense that they're going to mess up. But oh, when they mess up, we cry out. We cry out in supplication and prayer. Hallelujah. We take authority and we cry out to the one that we know can fix it. Whatever is broken. Hallelujah. He can fix it. Hallelujah. We thank you and we praise you, oh God, for your word. We magnify you on today, God. God, we lift Jesus, God. Glory to your name. Happy Mother's Day, ladies. Thank you for that, sis. I want to run and shout. It was the setup this morning. Wow, y'all. It's such a privilege um, to be asked to share on the power of motherhood. And initially, I was like, what in the world, Lord, am I going to talk about? And then he had to remind me of something. The power of motherhood is in the calling to motherhood. It is in the knitting of the mother's heart that he does in the secret place. And so I was reflecting on the journey that I'm on right now as a mother. And in 2020, when we were all quarantined and as a single woman living in a house by myself in my quiet time with the Lord, I remember him bringing my mind back to a scripture that I have loved for a long time. And it's Isaiah 54, rejoice childless one, You who do not give birth, burst into song and shout. You who have not been in labor, for the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the sight of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes and drive your pegs deep. And in that moment, even though this, you know, this scripture is the future glory of Israel, the Lord always, um, it always uh, brought excitement to me. I was always drawn to this scripture. And I remember being 15, and my parents, who have four children already, were thinking about fostering. And I remember seeing this little magnet on the refrigerator with this beautiful brown boy, and it said foster care. And I remember asking my mother, what is that? I had no idea. And so my mother explained to me why and how children end up in foster care and that she and my father were considering it. 
And I remember for months, a deep, deep pain and ache in my heart, a brokenness that I couldn't shake mm. at 15. Mm. The idea that children didn't have the kind of love and nurture that I had from my mother. And I say my mother had two amazing parents. I am a self-proclaimed at 47 daddy's girl. I will always be. <laughs> Shout out to my daddy. But my mother was just incredible. And so the idea that children didn't have that, I couldn't understand. And I remember one day making a promise to the Lord, a covenant, that this is how I would build my family with my husband, right? We would have one or two adopting a foster. And in 2020, the Lord said, what are you waiting for? And I said, I'm waiting for him. <laughs> like, remember what I said, that me and my husband would build our family this way? And so he said, daughter, you don't need him. I'm like, okay, but yeah, you've done this before. Twice I had done it before. And so in obedience, I put my house up for sale in the middle of a pandemic put a contract to build a new house in Middletown, and began the process. And I share that because this is context for God is so intentional, right? This mothering was something I was meant to do, right? It was a calling on my life. He was planting seed for future mission on mothering. And so as I've taken this journey, there are three things I'm going to share with you that I have learned about the power of mothering. The first is that the power of motherhood is refining. Sister T talked about that. I don't know about you, but the kids in my house know that Reese's peanut butter cups is mommy medicine. <laughs> right? <laughs> and so um, it is refining. Our children bear the image of God. And so they are our first and top priority when it comes to witnessing the gospel, right? And so um, when we think about that, all of the things that we're doing, all of the schedules we're trying to keep up with, it is frustrating, it is exhausting, it is sometimes makes you angry, you're tired, all of the things. Our children, literally, are the kindling to the refiner's fire. That's what the Lord has shown me. There are things in me that he is still pruning away from, out of me. There are things that he wants to build up in me. And so while my children are wonderful, and I love them, and I enjoy being a mother, this mission is not just about mothering them. It is also about how God is maturing me. And sometimes in the busyness of being a mother and all of the things, we can miss what God is trying to do in us, right? So don't miss the power of mothering is refining. If we let God have his perfect work in us, if we surrender to the assignments, even when they come, not how we planned. I never planned to be a single mother again, right? But God's glory is in this, that I would be able to stand before you 
having mothered now four children without a want or need that has not been cared for. That deepens my dependence on him. So then when the next assignment comes, I don't know how many children God will call me to mother. But what I do know is no matter how difficult the assignment, I will trust him. In the yes, the power of motherhood is refining. The second one, the power of motherhood is reflecting. Right? You know, and I got permission to share this, y'all. This was an aha moment for me in mothering my teenager, you know. These are children who come in and they have a past and a history. And I'm always before the Lord around, help me to mother each one of them uniquely as they need. And so there was a situation where I had to discipline. Um, and, you know, the Lord was calling my attention to her body language and her behaviors. And so I, I was like, what is happening right now? Right? Yes, you got in trouble. Yes, I had to take the phone away. But the response was just overwhelming. Something else was there. And so what she shared with me was that she had an overwhelming sense of shame and guilt because she disappointed me. And in that moment, the Lord reminded me of how that is exactly how I feel when I fail God. When I fail him, the shame and the lies that the enemy tries to whisper in our ears as children of God, that he, no, he doesn't love you, that he will reject you, that this, that this punishment is undeserved, right? And so in that moment, the Lord reminded me that I am a reflection of his love for my children. Yeah. How I live before them matters. Yeah. They're not mine. I am not my own. <laughs> I belong to him. So how do I act like I have ownership over my children? They're not mine. They belong to God, and I've just been charged with stewarding them well. And the only way I get to do that is to remember that I am a reflection of God's heart for them every day, no matter the situation and circumstances. And so in that moment, it reminded me that when that, those things happen, I need to go back to her and remind her Discipline will stand, but there are two things that will never change. My love for you and my position for you as my daughter. Y'all, that makes me want to run because that's what God does for us. And so in the power of motherhood, we get to reflect the love and the care, the mercy and grace of God to us to our children. Don't miss those opportunities and the busyness of life and trying to do all the things that even in disciplining our children, we can reflect the heart of God to them. Oh, Lord, 57 minutes. Okay. The power of motherhood is rewarding. The scriptures remind us that children are a gift and a heritage from the Lord. And that doesn't mean the ones that come from my womb. The ones that God has called me to mother. And so it is always my heart for my sisters who are waiting, who are challenged, don't box God in by the world's definition of motherhood. There have been many times when people have said things well-meaning about me being a real mother. But the thing about it is I take my definition of who I am from God. So 
just be reminded, the beauty of motherhood is also rewarding. Our children are a gift. And so as I get to watch my baby Zion, who um, it was a preemie and exposed and should be different. <laughs> He's walking and talking and running and curious and much of a parakeet and repeating everything that everybody says. Or when I look at my mariposa, my beautiful butterfly, my 17-year-old, in just a short year, how the Lord has turned her life around. And so when I'm watching her on that soccer field, applying pressure and doing the thing, and this is the first time she's ever played soccer, it is joy to watch the Lord unveil the gifts and talents and passions within her. Y'all, the power in motherhood is that we get to behold all of that. We get charged with being able to cultivate that and nurture it and not define who our children should be, what they should do by you, by me, but by God. What is he calling them to? What do they need to experience to have their own testimony? What do they need to see in order to see God for themselves? My heart's prayer is that my children would come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that means every day in every way, how I live matters. Mother, that's the power of motherhood. We have that opportunity. And so I'm going to close. I have so much more, y'all. Motherhood is a calling that comes in many forms. And I don't want us to miss this. Whether you are a, a bio mom, a foster mom, a bonus mom, a step mom, a god mom, a grand mom, or a proud village member, because I have been that, and I got to witness the beauty of God's undoing this morning, and that Caitlin Ward, <laughs> that encouraged my heart in this, in all of the ways that God is working. When God calls you to motherhood, it is it's not even just for the ones that you have in your household. You will find yourself wanting to love and nurture children everywhere all the time. Don't limit what God can do in the role as mother, as the role of village member. God is gracious. And my prayer is that every woman who longs to mother would open her eyes and heart to all the opportunities surrounding her. God is faithful. And it's not just for the children that get to experience you, but it's also for the refining of you, the drawing closer to you. And so, God, we thank you that you have charged your daughters, that you have gifted, called, and equipped us to mother. Where there are scales on our eyes, God, cause them to fall away. Help us to see your hand move in the lives of the children, in our homes, in our communities, in our church, in our schools, everywhere, God. Allow us, mothers, to be a reflection of your heart for them in all of the ways that you call us to love on them. Let us not miss it, God. I don't want to stand before you and not have a well done because there was something I was called to do as a mother and I didn't do it because it didn't look how I wanted it to look. God, I thank you and I praise you for this opportunity. In Christ's name, amen. amen.